Welcome back to the Palm the Table podcast. I'm your host, Fred, the NFL Always Offseason GM. Got a great show planned for you here today. We're going to be doing picks 1 through 16 of our mock draft and then just diving into some of the recent NFL news. Obviously, training camp's getting uh, pretty hot and heavy here. We're getting a lot of the stuff coming out of different camps, so want to make sure we get our takes in on that. So first off, it'll be NFL news. Then after that, picks 1 through 16. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch picks 17 through 32 next week. And then also, we're just going to be revamping the show heading into the regular season. So lots of good stuff on the docket here. But first, let's jump into the NFL news. So the first big piece of NFL news from this past week is going to be probably the Josh Allen extension so we'll dive into that first but essentially Josh Allen signs a six-year extension worth 258 million dollars for approximately 43 million dollars a year so that's a pretty significant uh, extension here just because I believe it's second in terms of contract value behind only Patrick Mahomes and I think where a lot of people like to say this makes it interesting is what about Lamar Jackson now what's he going to get or what's Baker Mayfield going to get uh, I could see Lamar Jackson maybe getting more than Josh Allen, especially for the short term here. Something a little smaller, maybe more annual per year. But uh, Josh Allen is one of the ascending young quarterbacks. The only thing that makes me nervous with this is he was a very raw prospect coming out of Wyoming. Uh, not a lot of people were very high on Josh Allen. Uh, we all knew he had this super rocket arm, but it just it was bad decision making, uh, bad accuracy. There was a lot of questions about his game, and. He did answer a lot of those questions this last year. He finished second in the MVP voting. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to dole out this contract to him, but he's definitely worth it at this point. I'm just, I have questions about whether it's a Brian Dabble scheme or if it's uh, Josh Allen's talent. So maybe it's a combination of the two, and maybe you know it, it continues moving forward. And it really helps that Dabble's coming back. He didn't get a head coaching gig here this offseason. So... Congrats to Josh Allen. I mean, that's 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 life-changing money, $258 million over six years. So it'll be interesting to see basically how this affects the market where uh, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson slot in from here, seeing as uh, Josh Allen kind of beat them to the punch and got, got his money before they did. So the next piece of uh, news I wanted to get my take in on is going to be the Darius Leonard extension. So Darius Leonard, the linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, Former All-Pro, Pro Bowler, leader of that defense, and it's a pretty good unit at this time. Just signed a five-year extension worth $99.25 million with $15.5 million guaranteed. So the extension makes him the highest-paid linebacker in all of football. This comes right off the heels of uh, Fred Warner signing a market-setting deal. So those are both guys that are widely considered to be the top of their game. And it was just kind of a staring contest to see who goes first. Either way, Darius Leonard uh, wins the steering contest. He gets his extension. I think this is something the Colts really plan on doing for quite some time now. It's been uh, waiting to get on their books. Uh, they keep freeing up all this cap space to basically maintain their own guys. And I, I think it's a good move. I think uh, Leonard's an extremely versatile linebacker. I know he plays a little bit light, but he's phenomenal in coverage. I, he's a leading tackler in the NFL every year. Uh, he, he's even got some pass rush ability. He, he can really do it all. He's really the engine that makes that defense go. And, it, and they've proven over the last few years under Eberflus that they're a top 10 unit perennially. So really like the extension for the Colts. Really like it for Darius Leonard. I think it's a great move moving forward. 
Next piece of uh, news here that we're going to jump on is going to be the Xavier Howard restructure. So Xavier Howard uh, recently made it aware that he was looking to get traded just because he had some contract disputes uh, as he was the second highest paid corner on his team behind Byron Jones because Byron Jones signed that huge monster deal this past offseason with the Miami Dolphins. And essentially, Xavier Howard was like a uh, defensive player of the year candidate here. So he wanted to get paid as such, seeing as he wasn't even the highest paid defensive player on his team. So he was holding out, looking for a trade. But both sides come to an agreement over the weekend here for a restructure. And essentially what they did is they added a, a bunch of more incentives into his contract for this year where he has the ability to earn more. It's nothing guaranteed. There's no more guaranteed money. But if he's essentially betting on himself for one more year, and then I also heard someone mention that they're basically going to be looking to revisit the situation after the year's over. Kind of similar to what they did with the Aaron Rodgers deal, where they're like, hey, let's just play this out, see how it goes, and we'll talk about it at the end of the offseason. So basically, if Xavier Howard plays out of his mind again, he's going to get a big deal. He's going to be able to restructure. Or if he doesn't, then you know they may look to uh, excuse me, part ways at the end of the season. So I kind of thought that this is interesting just because he's a very important part of their team. He's obviously like one of the best corners in the league when he's when he's healthy. But at the same time, it's it's not like he got a ton more guaranteed money. What like he held out for some more incentives. I mean, it's it's basically betting on yourself, which is an extremely risky move for a guy that's been injured as often as he has. I think last year was his first non-injured season in a couple years. But nonetheless, uh they come to an agreement. Miami gets a key part of their defense back, especially for their run this year. I think they're going to be really great, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Another uh, piece of information that we wanted to discuss before moving forward was going to be the Michael Thomas situation in New Orleans. So he's been, it's been very odd off season for Michael Thomas. Apparently he had put off his off season surgery against the team's wishes for months at a time and actually completely like disconnected from the team and didn't speak with anything anybody went ghost mode for about three more excuse me three months and now he's been very cryptic on social media basically saying like oh i I did whatever they wanted me to look at me now i'm I'm hurt i'm trying to get out but it's it's been very odd just because his contract's almost like untradeable and I apologize I don't have the numbers in front of me here but it's a huge cap hit if they were to trade him this year so it, it, I don't think they're gonna part ways this year I mean I'd have to take a look at the details to see even if it's feasible next year but he, he's definitely not going anywhere so it, it'll be interesting to see how long he actually sits and what New Orleans does with that situation but basically it he made it seem out. I actually seen that he he liked someone's tweet about how essentially his Instagram post was, hey, we're going to try to maximize Drew Brees' windows and we're going to make Michael Thomas play before he's ready. And he, he liked it. So basically he's, he's angry with the front office for making him play before he was ready. And now they're, I guess, reaping the the outcome of whatever happened here. I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a lot of nonsense. But I mean, I guess if you don't trust the medical staff, you don't trust the medical staff. We've seen this with players before. So it'll be very interesting to see actually how this this situation unfolds for Michael Thomas. Making a return this week is going to be our preseason mock draft. 
So we will be doing picks 1 through 16. I repeat, that's only 1 through 16. We'll be doing 17 through 32 next week. So this is what I would do based on what I've seen from summer scouting. And essentially, we just apply it to what's the current draft order at the moment. So once again, it's based on the reverse Super Bowl odds. So just by that premises, we're taking a look. The Houston Texans have the worst odds. They'd have the first pick. So based off of that, that's where we'll start off here. And with the first pick uh, in our mock draft here, the Houston Texans are going to take quarterback Sam Howell. And I know they took Davis Mills this past year. I've said this all along. I don't understand that pick. I don't really get why you waste your first pick, even if it is a third rounder on a quarterback, that you know you're not going to be good this year. They got to they got to be a little bit self-aware here. You got to be able to know that the Deshaun Watson situation is over. I mean, as we speak, there's rumors of him floating around going to Philly, and I just I just don't get the whole Davis Mills concept. So it's almost like it was a wasted draft pick this past year. But I go with Sam Howell. He's my number one prospect. I just love what he does with the football. I think he's up for a absolute monster year in college football. You know, Heisman leading candidate in my mind. And I just I just really like his ball placement. I like his his athleticism. Just gotta work on the decision making. I like his accuracy. Just a lot of things to like about his game, especially like his moxie and everything else with that as well too. So he's gonna be the first round or excuse me, the first overall pick in our mock draft here. Next up is going to be the New York Jets. And for the New York Jets, they are following up a year where they picked Zach Wilson. And it's, it sounds like he's been a little under underwhelming in his uh, training camp. But I don't really buy any of the training camp news from pretty much anybody ever. Uh, tune into the preseason games. Tune into the actual regular season games. Then we'll put a, an opinion together on him. So the basically, we're going to go with the number one prospect that isn't a quarterback. And it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, the defensive end. So they signed Carl Lawson to a pretty fairly large deal this past year. But if we look, remember back to Robert Sala's days in San Francisco, he loved having multiple fronts. He loved having guys that could play across the line. He loved having just a whole stable of dudes on the D-line. I mean, they had DeForest Buckner. They had Eric Armstead. They had Nick Bosa. They had Salman Thomas. They had all these dudes that were very versatile, very athletic, very skilled defensive pass rushers so we add another one to his toolbox here with Kayvon Thibodeau next up is going to be the third pick and the third pick in our mock draft here is going to be the Detroit Lions and for the Detroit Lions they're here picking number three and I have them taking Spencer Rattler the QB out of Oklahoma so Spencer Rattler I think ended up like fifth or sixth overall on our, our big board and basically the way I'm looking at this is is they shored up their offensive line so now they have a they have a pretty solid uh, core around him here to protect him where he's not going to get just completely sandblasted every single week and they're, they're going to be able to put together a fairly decent run game so I'm, I'll be pretty excited to see what they can do there. Uh, the only thing I don't like is their receiver room but in this class I don't think I had anybody any receivers ranked extremely high and I don't think teams are going to value them this high in this draft especially with how deep the class is going to be so I think teams will hold off especially at the number three overall pick here with the Lions and they'll get their quarterback at a future in Rattler and then next up is going to be the fourth overall pick the Jacksonville Jaguars and I have them taking this because excuse me sorry I have them taking Evan Neal the offensive tackle out of Alabama he was our number one rated offensive tackle the only thing that surprised me about this pick is I'm a little bit lower on him than most are. I, I had him, like, I think, like, as my 13th or 15th overall prospect. But when you take a look at this Jacksonville roster, 
the only other way I could see them going was maybe DeMarvin Leal out of um, Texas A&M. And I don't even know if that's the right way to pronounce his name. I just hear it on the draft dudes. But DeMarvin Leal, uh, I like his ability to be a multiple dude in their fronts. I just don't know exactly what that defense is going to look like yet. And especially with Cam Robinson on a franchise take deal, uh, I'm not sure if they're bringing him back. And Evan Neal is going to give you an option to play him at left or right tackle, depending on what Javon Taylor does here. So, like him here at that fourth overall selection, it's more of a need pick rather than a value pick at this point. So, moving on to number five, it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And I had the Cincinnati Bengals get an absolute steal here. And <laughs> favor falls in the those who wait. So, Cincinnati Bengals are going to take Derek Stingley in this mock. And Derek Stingley is an absolute electric talent at a position of need for the Bengals. I think their offense is going to be pretty much not of this planet. But when we look at the rest of their defense, it's it's extremely underwhelming. I think they signed like Chidobia Wuzie, they let William Jackson walk, they got Jesse Bates on the backside, and he's really good, but they just really don't have much around him. So they get a cornerback here, one that's gonna be a mainstay in your defense for at least the next 10 years. So I love the pick by Bengals. And then number six is gonna be the Philadelphia Eagles selecting in their smock. And I have them taking DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. And like I said before, this dude's a monster and he's like 290 pounds, but he can play the edge, he can play inside, he can play like a, a, a true 4-3-3 tech. And I just like what he brings to the table. The dude's explosive and I believe someone said like with his frame, like when you take a look at the dude, like he's super solid in his lower half, but he's like He's, he's, I'm not going to say he's like spindly in this top half, but there's definitely room to put some weight on. So, like, this, it's it's crazy to think what this guy's going to be able to be. And we know that Philly loves to run, like, multiple dudes across their front. They love to have, like, a good rotation going. So they already have, like, Derek Barnett. They already have Fletcher Cox. Uh, Brandon Graham's getting a little old, so they added a little bit more depth. They added pretty much the best player at this point right now that's available. So DeMarvin Leal to the Eagles. Excuse me, DeMarvin Leal to the Eagles. Number seventh pick in the draft here is going to be the New York Giants. The New York Giants I have taken. So this is kind of where the cutoff is. So there's a lot of talent in the first few picks. Then there's a little bit of a gap. And then there's this next tier of players. And this is kind of where it starts. There's a couple receivers out there that I had ranked. You know, friend, or just inside the top ten. But when we look at the Giants roster, they just signed Galladay. They just drafted Kadarius Toney. They already have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. They have all these guys under contract. So I don't really think that they're going to go that road. It doesn't make sense for them to go that road. So in this draft, I have them taking Drake Jackson, the edge defender out of USC, which it's a little bit of a projection with this guy. Like He's not quite there yet. But he's a guy I could see getting there. He has a he has a ton of potential. I, I had him as like a fringe first rounder. But if he has a big year this year, he's easily vaulted in the top 15, especially with the the talent at the top here. So Drake Jackson, the USC edge defender, going to the Giants at number seven. At number eight, I have the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Ahmad Gardner. So Ahmad Gardner, I had a first round grade on Ahmad Gardner, and when I look at the Raiders defense. I seen someone uh, put out there coming out of Raiders camp that they, I mean, they have Sidney Cross, or oh my gosh, Max Crosby, <laughs> and then Yannick, uh, Yannick and oh my gosh, I am really struggling with names today, Yannick and Ngakwe, and then Clellan Farrell at pass rusher, which isn't isn't completely terrible, especially in like pass rush situations, especially for Ngakwe. 
And their linebacker room is a little expensive, a little bit underwhelming, but we're not going to take one here in the top 10. So then I looked elsewhere on this defense. They selected a ton of safeties. So in order to create, uh, prevent the log jam from happening here at the safety room, we're going to go with corner. Damon Arminette, it sounds like, has been extremely underwhelming in, in their camp. And Casey Hayward's there. He's 31, 32 years old. So I'm going with Ahmad Gardner. Hopefully we can get some more depth at the position. Ahmad Gardner is the super feisty corner out of Cincinnati. The dude's a competitor, and he's just super physical. I love what his – I think his game is going to translate very well to the next level. He's a he's a lesser J.C. Horn, but get him at the same selection that J.C. Horn was at this past year. So Ahmad Gardner, corner of Cincinnati at number eight. And then number nine – the ninth overall selection is the Carolina Panthers in this draft, and this one's going to be a little bit of a surprise, I think, for people out there, but I like it. So we're going to go with Haskell Garrett, the defensive lineman out of Ohio State. So I'm, I might be the minority here, but I loved Garrett's tape. Uh, I thought he was, like, super heavy-handed and able to collapse pockets from the inside, which is a huge, huge factor, especially when you look at his running mate here in Carolina now, would be Derek Brown which is a very formidable interior line. And when I look at Carolina's roster, they, they have a stud running back, stud receiver room. I, there's a couple holes along the offensive line, but I just don't like anybody at this selection here at number nine. So then we flip to the defense, and they got they got a couple decent pass rushers, one really good one, one guy that's ascending, and their linebacker room's not terrible. They selected a corner in this pass draft. So why not go and shore up that D-line? Like I said, the NFL's gravitating towards these defenses that are able to play multiple dudes across the front, able to run a rotation of guys. And Haskell Garrett's going to be your, your typical interior D-line, and I love the pairing with him with uh, Derek Brown. So Haskell Garrett, number nine, Carolina Panthers. And then finally at number 10 here, the Atlanta Falcons. We finally are going to get to see a guy that I think could have went the last couple picks. But I really like this fit here with Atlanta, especially with basically them having needs across the entire defense. And I went with the safety Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. And Kyle Hamilton is a pretty much like do-it-all chess piece. He can do anything you want him to do. He can play single high. He can play deep half. He can drop down to the slot. He can play in the box. He can blitz if you want him to. Just he's a very versatile defender. And he finally comes off the board here, and he's going to be able to be a mainstay in this Atlanta defense that I think is going to be pretty terrible in 2021. So moving on to number 11, this is also where we're seeing another another drop off in talent. We're not really getting a lot of them blue chip prospect guys anymore. And with the New York Giants getting this pick from Chicago in the trade this past year, I have them selecting Tyler Linderbaum, the interior old lineman. So the problem I had here with this selection is I love Linderbaum. I think he's a first-round talent. I don't think he's worth the 11th overall pick just due to, like, positional value. Like, the, the dude is playing center, but we're selecting him just outside the top 10. But when I look at this roster, they're so complete that I just don't I don't see anywhere else they can go. But if you're selecting this high, you got to get impact players. And I don't like anybody here better than Daniel Jones. Uh, like Malik Willis and Keaton Slovis and a couple of these guys might prove me wrong in the next you know three to four months here that they're actually worthy of the 11th overall selection and at that time you know we'll, we'll, we'll switch it up then but at this point I'm going to go with Linderbaum give him some more flexibility across the interior line I know they got a 
excuse me, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia a couple years back, and I believe it's uh, their right tackle, uh, Nate Solder from the New England Patriots, is finally going to return this year. He's getting up there in age, so we could have went tackle here. But uh, I'm going to go with Linderbaum. He's a proven, he's a pretty proven talent. He was a, excuse me, an All-American second team or honorable mention this past year. And he's been an All-Big Ten lineman the last couple of years. So he, we know what he's going to bring to the table. He's going to bring very low floor, or very, excuse me, very high floor. Might potentially be a low ceiling. So Linderbaum at number 11, pretty safe pick. And then we're moving to number 12, and it's going to be the Washington football team. And the same thing kind of goes here for the Washington football team is I don't know exactly where you go with this roster just because the one gaping hole we're going to see once Fitzpatrick's done here is quarterback. And I don't really see one worth selecting at 12. So we're basically a repeat copy and paste from 11 to 12 here. Not sure where we need to go. So you look at the rest of this depth chart. They signed a, uh, excuse me, they lost Ronald Darby. They signed William Jackson. And they also have Kendall Fuller there still. And they're, I mean, we all know their defensive front seven is just absolutely loaded. So there's not really a need there. So I went to the defensive back half, and I got Brandon Joseph. And Brandon Joseph is the do-it-all safety at uh, Northwestern. All-American this past year. He's a redshirt sophomore. Super ascending player. And he can kind of do it all. Same as we talked about with Kyle Hamilton. Just not quite to the same degree. But I really like his ability to play all over the field, and it kind of makes Landon Collins expendable at that point because there was some rumblings out there that they wanted him to play linebacker. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. So now this creates makes him expendable. You can get off that contract at this point. So I like Brandon Joseph, uh, safety Northwestern at number 12 here. Moving on to number 13, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers also would like to be in the quarterback market, but it's starting to dry up, and copy and paste from 11 and 12 to 13 uh, I'm not going to take one here uh, their wide receiver room stacked we could go offensive line and it was very tempting to to dip into that offensive tackle pool especially after what we've seen them do this offseason but we'll trust their process and instead I went to the cornerback side and they lost Steven Nelson and they didn't really replace him uh, I mentioned in our breakout stars pro- uh, prospect that Justin Lane is stepping up and when we take a look at Joe Hayden, he's, he's pretty he's pretty old. He's got to be low to mid-30s at this point. So there, there isn't much tread left on the tires there for that kind of guy. So I went with Kair Elam, the cornerback out of Florida. And as you can see, this is a pretty quarterback, a cornerback heavy draft. And it, I can promise you, it ain't going to be the last one taken here in the first round. So Kair Elam, the, the lengthy corner, it's going to give them some options on how he can play in their defense. They have a stellar defensive front. He's going to look great probably in his first year if he's there. And then moving on to number 14, the Arizona Cardinals. I have the Arizona Cardinals selecting Nick Benito, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma. And Nick Benito is a super productive player in the Big 12. He's a little bit undersized for an edge defender. I believe he's like 6'2", he's like 240-ish, mid-240s, which is a little light. I don't know how much bigger he can actually get, but... The way they use guys in their front, they I mean, they had Hassan Reddick get 10-plus sacks in a year, so they'll find a way to use this guy as long as they have the same staff in the building, which is very questionable at this point. But basically, they're, they're, they might lose Chandler Jones this offseason, which is going to be a huge blow for them. And J.J. Watt's not getting any younger, so you might as well get an edge defender that's an impact player here, and they're going to get one here at 14. I'd like to go corner. 
but I just didn't see one that was better than Nick Benito at this point. So that's going to be our 14th overall selection. And then at 15 here is going to be the Arizona Cardinals. And the Arizona Cardinals, oh my gosh, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> at 15 is going to be the New Orleans Saints. And the New Orleans Saints, coming off of what, based off of their standards, would be like a down year if they're picking at 15. So, once again, uh, the, the, quarter, the quarterback market is going to be interesting to see, especially for the Saints. You know, are they like what they're going to see out of Taysom Hill and Jason, or excuse me, Jameis Winston? Not sure. We'll find out, you know, week one when we see who's starting and basically what they're putting out there. But when I take a look at their roster, especially with Michael Thomas, like that entire situation has been entirely strange, and we could almost do a whole segment on what's going on there. But I went down that route with wide receiver. I feel like this is the perfect spot to get a guy just because when you look at their receiver room, there's basically nobody. It's like Traquan Smith and like Deontay Harris, who I believe is suspended or out at this point. So I'm going to go with Chris Olave. He's my last blue chip guy that's pretty much on the board here. He's worthy of a top, you know, 11, 12 selection. Just there wasn't any spot to slot him that needed a receiver at that point. So the New Orleans Saints get the best receiver in the draft here at 15. Moving on to number 16. This is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles via the Miami Dolphins trade this past year. And the Miami Dolphins, or excuse me, the Philadelphia Eagles using the Miami Dolphins pick, I have taking Josh Job out of Alabama. And I know a lot of guys aren't huge Josh Job fans. I'm a big Josh Job fan. I love guys that can play man coverage and do it at a high level. I think that translates extremely well to the next level because it's easier to teach a man guy zone in my opinion than it is to teach a zone guy man just the ability to be able to flip your hips and be super competitive at the catch point and, and stick with guys down the field and mirror their moves i think translates better to the next level than it does being able to recognize routes and recognize zone patterns so i got josh job to the eagles at 16 like i said the this isn't the last corner off the, off the board here. There's going to be more. It's a super heavy draft. It's going to be pretty impressive how many guys we get here. Well, thanks for turning in today's show. That's all we got for you guys. It's, it's, a, it's a wrap. So make sure you subscribe so you can catch our rest of our mock draft starting next week. Pick 17 through 32. Also, make sure you, you, you tune in. Uh, we're going to be changing up the format here. We're going to start switching over to some regular season content, hopefully soon with the season right around the corner. And then also, if you haven't, just make sure you visit, visit our Twitter page. We're always throwing out some new articles. We're going to try to be putting uh, one to two out a month here now that we're getting right into the thick of the football season. So, once again, appreciate everybody. You know, rate, review. If you get a chance, make sure you give us a five-star if you think we're worth it. I like to think we are. But otherwise, we'll see you next week with the rest of the mock.